right, everybody. Good morning. Morning, morning everybody. Morning. So glad you're here today, everybody at Church Online. I'm so glad you're here. Matter of fact, if you're in the room, put your hands together. Welcome all your church family joining us. Wherever you're joining us from, I'm so glad you're here and uh, around the kitchen table or uh, in the living room or in your car. The only place I'm not uh, going to congratulate you is if you're on the beach. Um, and for clarity, uh, Galveston's not the beach. Come on, somebody. It's, there's water there and there's something resembling sand, but that's not the beach. <laughs> that's the only beach you know you got to get out of Texas. Um, but I'm so glad you're along for the ride today, and uh, it's going to be a special day. Aubrey and I, just uh, before uh, I came out, uh, his first time back on the stage since we reopened uh, the church, and it just, I don't know, it just feels different. And here's, here's what um, so many friends of mine around the country are saying. Uh, if you're new to City Hills, uh, our church, matter of fact, next weekend, our church turns four years old, everybody. I'm super excited about that. And if you've hung around us very long, you know there's going to be cake, um, and uh, it's just going to be a big time. We got some uh, cool surprises. I'll still be preaching um, in emotions that weekend, but I have a special message I'm bringing to you. It's just going to be a great, uh, a great celebration. And prior to the pandemic, we were adding a third service. We were in a different venue. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more people uh, gathered with us live in the service. And uh, I've talked to the pastors around the country, uh, all experiencing a lot of the similar things. As a matter of fact, I talked to someone last week in Virginia that pastors uh, about 10, 12,000 people over six campuses. And uh, I, the percentage of people returning to City Hills is higher than their percentage returning to all of their campuses by a multiple of two. About double of you are back in the room now. But here's what we all agree on, that the people who are back in church together and it's not that you're wrong for being online today there's a lot of you who need that option due to compromising of your health or, 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 or you know extenuating circumstances but for those of us who are, are able to gather and are back man you are fired up to be back at church like this is there's just something different about it and and I like it it's not that I didn't like the church before uh, uh, COVID but I really like you now uh, I really do took me four years, but I really like you now, and, and uh, I'm excited that you're here, especially if you're here for the very first time. I do want to invite you back next week. I always like to tell you where we're going, and uh, I'm just super excited. Uh, even though I'm going to be in this series called Emotions, uh, I'm going to preach to you what I think is really the heart and soul of our house. Um, I'm going to preach to you about having joy no matter what next week, and uh, one of the things that I love about this church over the last four years is that this is what we call a life-giving church. And the only way you explain a life-giving church is if you've ever been in one that isn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sucks the life right out of you. You know what I'm saying in that? And you just, you, you leave. I grew up leaving feeling worse about myself after church than I did when I got there. I mean, I thought I was bad going in. I knew I was bad when I left. And uh, I, I wanted to be, I, I wanted to start a church, Brandon and I, that when you came to church, you didn't just feel good about yourself in some kind of motivation or positive thinking kind of way, but you knew that the God of all creation is on your side and He's fighting for you and He's able to do anything for you and change your life. Shout amen to that, everybody. And I hope that you have experienced that and feel that. We're going to celebrate all that next week. It's going to be so good. Grab your Bibles. I hope you have a copy of the Scriptures. If you're uh, at church online, maybe even on uh, a device, Bow your heads, let's ask God to speak to us, and I'll jump right in. Father, thank you for God's word. 
God, whatever you want to say to me today, my answer is yes. My heart's open. I'm ready to receive today. God, I want to be better. I want to leave here changed and challenged. I don't just want to hear something. I want to apply something. Like James says, I don't want to hear the word. I want to do it. I want something I can put my hands around today. Leave encouraged. I pray for people specifically today to leave encouraged. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shout amen. Come on, do better than that. Shout a good amen. Amen. So excited. Uh, to be in this series. We're talking all about our feelings and how to deal with your emotions, especially in a pandemic. Uh, I feel like my emotions have been all over the place. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? There have been, I've cried, I've yelled, I've been sad, I've been depressed. I use Christian cuss words and, and just, just, and I did all that this morning. I mean, I just, it's all over the place. Just, Feelings of, in, of, of insecurity and just fear and worry. And today's going to be a big one. Last week, uh, if you didn't catch up, go back to YouTube. You can catch up uh, on the series so far. Uh, we talked about when you hurt, what Jesus feels when you hurt, the emotion of hurting and sadness and, and, and what that feels like. Today, I, I want to tackle a big one I think a lot of us are in. And I want to tackle anxiety, what, it, what you do when you feel anxious. And anxiety is overwhelming to you, and you and fear is overwhelming. And, and I gotta just I'll start with a confession, and it's this: I know Jesus, and I love Jesus, and I'm in a relationship with Jesus. But there are times in my life, recent times in my life, when I battle overwhelming feelings of anxiety. I'm just I'm just being honest with you. I grew up believing if that was the case. There was something wrong with you. There was some inadequacy. There was some, you just weren't strong enough. Anybody raised in a house that said, just suck it up, buttercup. Come on, just like you can just, you just got to pull it together. The truth of the matter is I've struggled pulling it together more this year than at any other time in my life. Can, would you would just raise your hand if that's been you? I'm just, I'm struggling. And, and one of the ways that's come out for me is in sleep. Now, I'm married to someone, a wonderful, godly anointed, beautiful woman of God. Come on, somebody. I was expecting more amens. I need that for better times for Brother Rose. You know what I'm saying? I, uh, but she loves sleep, and she's good at it. Anybody married to somebody good at sleep? <laughs> like, I know some of you. I know some of you are. And when I say good at it, I mean in 20 years of marriage, she struggles to fall asleep, but when she does, there is nothing save the trumpet of Gabriel that could wake her up from sleep. Anybody in a relationship or know somebody like that? Or you are that person? If you don't know anybody, you are that person. They know you. Nothing. And we have two children uh, now who don't wake up uh, a lot during the night, but when they're babies, she would wake up with them all the time, but not first. I would hear them first because I just, I'm a light sleeper, and I hear everything, and I wake up, at everything, and we have a dog that I uh, hate still, and um, he sleeps in the kennel at night, and he scratches. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This he scratches his kennel, and this morning, I honestly, if it wasn't Sunday, I would have killed him today. I felt like it was wrong to do it on Sunday, but he's just, you know, trying to get comfortable in his nails, and and I just, I'm a light sleeper, but but in this pandemic, I've not just been a light sleeper. I've struggled sleeping. I've, I've I've woke up in the middle of the night, sometimes the same, there have been 
periods of the last seven months where it's the same exact time of the night, every night, uh, I went through a period of weeks where it was 2.33 every morning. I'd look at my phone every single morning, exact same time. Then, then I went through 4.45 every single morning, the exact same time. For those of you who don't know, there's two 4.45s. There's the one you know about in the afternoon, and then there's another one in the morning that's earlier than it should be. And, and, I, and, and, and when I wake up, I mean, it's almost like a panic attack. I don't know how else to tell you. It's just overwhelming, and I'm catching my breath, and I don't remember a dream that, that I've had. I'm just, my heart's racing, and, and it's anxiety. And, and maybe you can relate like never before in this year to anxiety. This is the longest recorded year in history. You know what I'm saying, everybody? This, we have lived 17 years since January 1st, 2020. We started this year off so well. Really, our church was un- it was thriving in unbelievable ways. Our staff had doubled in January and February. The crowds had almost doubled. Uh, we were adding another service. We were actually looking at the potential of another location. The reason we're in the building we're in today meeting is because we had explored planting another Sunday night service in this room. By the way, we're not done with that yet. In Jesus' name, amen, everybody. So we, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And then, and then, you know, at the end of February, early March, now there's this mysterious virus and, and it spreads like wildfire and it just shut the whole world down and it disrupted all the routines of my life and your life. And then, then we add to the virus this massive economic fears and racial tensions and political divisions that are at epic levels, and then everybody is watching the biased news, you know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about whatever station you watch, by the way. It's biased, and then, and then if, if the news isn't bad enough, there's a bunch of freaked out people on social media spreading conspiracy theories. I'm looking at some of y'all. There's a bunch of, it just, and, 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 and it adds to the anxiety, and now I'm afraid and lonely and uncertain, and honestly, listen, there's the potential to feel like you're losing control. And the end of anxiety is hopelessness. Where I feel like this is never going to change. And, and if, I'm, if I'm really transparent with you, there have been days in the last seven months, I didn't know if we were going to get out. I didn't know if I was going to survive. I didn't know if this was going to survive. It's just overwhelming. And the anxiety is real, and it's, and it's real all over America. As a matter of fact, in, in prepping for today's message, I found a few statistics that were so remarkably alarming to me. In July of 2019, if you're not a numbers person, just hang on. I'll get better in just a moment. But in July of 2019, a year, a year ago, 8.2% of adults showed signs of anxiety disorder. 8%. A year later, July of 2020, just a few months ago, 36% of adults were clinically diagnosed with signs of anxiety disorder. 91% of Generation Z, high school and college students currently, identify as having significant stress in their life. 91%. Suicides in 2020 are at the highest levels since World War II in America. Calls to emotional hotlines and suicide prevention hotlines in America have increased since February by 891%. We are living in overwhelming 
anxiety. And I, I'm, I'll, let me stop here and just go ahead and tell you, I'll, I'll get right to the punchline and then I'll preach the rest of it to you. It is more than physical and mental and emotional. There's a spiritual battle happening for your health. And in Jesus' name, we're going to stand against the spirit of anxiety in the world. But it's complicated. There's so much. There's physiological. There's emotional. There's situational. And there's spiritual. And you got to deal with it holistically in your diet. At least I hear some people do that. I have self-medicated with donuts and, um, and then supplements. You can take... I've heard people... That's true. It's, it's, I wish it wasn't as true as it was. But I do have a good regimen of donuts and, and vitamins and supplements. And, and sometimes you need a doctor. Listen, I'm, let, me be, let me take the stigma out of that. If you have overwhelming anxiety, there are times you need a doctor. And you may need prescription medication. And you need counseling. Are you still there? All the real spiritual people need to hear me. Sometimes it's more than what you think it is. And there's no sin in sickness. But there's anxiety, and it's real. And is it wrong for a Christian to feel anxious? Have I failed God? Am I doing something wrong? And maybe you've battled that. Is there something wrong with me? Am I losing something? Is my salvation at risk because of all of these feelings I have? And is it a sin to be anxious? Listen to me. Unequivocally, it is not a sin to be anxious. Listen to me. But like anger, it can lead to sin if you don't deal with it. Let me say that again. It's not a sin to be anxious. It's not a sin to be angry. But undealt with anxiety and anger can lead you to sinful places. So I want you to deal with it. And it may surprise you and it may comfort you today to know that Jesus battled anxiety. I told you last week, one run researcher uh, did a study of the four Gospels and found 39 different emotions Jesus had, or at least that were recorded in the Gospels. And anxiety is one of them. If you have your Bibles, Mark, the 14th chapter, talks about a time when Jesus is overwhelmed in anxiety, and maybe you can relate. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Let me give you some context here before we read any more. Jesus has just completed what we call the Last Supper with his small group. Even Jesus needed a small group and you yet to join one. I... And so he's at his small group and they finish the Last Supper together and, and his disciples are there. And he has a close friend in the twelve, Judas, who slides away at the Last Supper to go betray Jesus in full knowledge Jesus has about what's happening. And he takes his three closest disciples to the garden of Gethsemane and they're going to pray and that's where verse 32 is and so they went to the place called Gethsemane the, the, the garden there and Jesus said to his disciples sit here while I pray then he took the three closest to him further Peter James and John along with him and he began here it is underline this in your Bible he began to be deeply distressed and troubled Anxious. In the message translation, verse 33 says it like this, that he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. You ever been there? 
a sinkhole of agony. Jesus, the Son of the living God, God in flesh is now overwhelmed with anxiety and agony and he's in a sinkhole and doesn't know how to get out of it in his natural state. He's overwhelmed with anxiety. He knows that he will be arrested and he knows that he'll be tortured and he knows in just a few hours he's going to die by crucifixion, the most cruel and painful and humiliating way to die. And knowing all of this weighs so heavily on even the Son of the living God, he's full of anxiety and deeply troubled and distressed. And even worse, even worse, he's never sinned. But he's about to become sin, carry the sins past, present, and future of the entire world. And the Father literally turns, has to turn away. Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? I don't even, I don't even, I've never felt this way before. Forsaken by the Father, separated from the Spirit of the living God because of all the sin that he carries on the cross. And he knows it's all coming. And you get to watch the moment of honesty in Jesus' life when he says, I'm over Whelmed with anxiety. And Christians say, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. Blessed. Hashtag blessed. Doing good. Just doing fine over here. How's it going? Doing great. Things are great. Things are good. Lost my job. Husband left. Things are awesome. Cussing up a storm. I love it. Things are doing so good. And Jesus is honest. And I love that Mark would include he's deeply distressed. He's in a sinkhole and overwhelmed with anxiety. Mark 14.34 continues on like this. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Listen to, listen to what Jesus says. To the point of death. I won't go so far as to say he's suicidal, but I will say whatever he knows is next, death seems better than the anxiety he's facing. I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. He tells the disciples, those closest to him, the three, Peter, James, and John, he tells them how he's feeling and he says, I need you. Let me pause here and say... Even Jesus need people. He needed to tell somebody how he felt. It's why you have to get a small group of people. It's why, you, it's why there are 20, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking for somebody to tell me. 19 or 20 small groups that launched last week at City Hills. Because I want to just put you around people. I don't care if you're studying the Bible. I don't care if you're playing golf. I don't care if you're running. I don't know why you would run outdoors. But I don't, whatever you want to do together doesn't really matter to me what you do. I just want you to be together with somebody so when you feel like Jesus felt, you can do what Jesus did and say, guys, I feel like I'm losing it and I need some help and I need somebody around me. And he goes to the disciples and says, can you, is there something you can do? And Can you be with me? Can you help me? Because God gave you people to deal with your anxiety. Shout amen to that. You will always battle anxiety in the loneliest place of your life. It's why I believe, now, that, now I'm going to get controversial, so don't share this part on social. Just Everybody go to sleep for just a moment on Facebook. But that's why I believe the isolation of the last seven months was a plan of the devil. 
I'm not saying governments are the plan of the devil. I'm not saying the CDC is the plan of the devil. Masks are the plan of the devil. But I, I'm not saying any of that. Is, that was just, I just slid that in. But I am telling you this, that the spirit of isolation that's been created in America is a demonic plan. You were never meant to be alone and isolated and carrying it all by yourself. Jesus couldn't carry it by himself. Jesus had to have people to say, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I'm down, I need somebody. How can you lock yourself up, pull the shades of your house and social distance? Don't ever social distance. You can be six feet apart from everybody in the world, but you need social people. You need people around you to protect you and pray for you and guard you and lift you. Am I helping anybody? Shout amen. I need you, Jesus says. I need you. Peter, James, and John say, you need us. Oh, yeah. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, and I need you. I need you. It happened in the Old Testament as well. The prophet Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, actually liked preaching Elijah about as much as anybody in the Old Testament, and he struggles with anxiety in a way that I can relate to. He struggles with anxiety based on fear, which again, I believe wholeheartedly the deepest pandemic we're in right now is not viral. It is the spirit of fear loose on you that says everybody and everything can harm you. But the word says he's given his angels charge over you and no harm can come to you. And, and Elijah is, is full of fear and anxiety. Let me give you the whole story. He's the prophet in the Old Testament, and there's only one. Y'all would hate it because if you didn't like the prophet's church, you couldn't go to the other church closer to your house. There was only one. If you didn't like Elijah, you didn't go to church because he's the only guy in town. I actually wish it was that way, but anyways. So Elijah's the only prophet, and Ahab is the evil king. Elijah has now prophesied drought in the land, and it's there. God's judging the land because of sin that's there. And for three years, there's no rain, there's horrific drought, and King Ahab is chasing Elijah. He's pursuing Elijah, and, and literally all over the country, he chases, Elijah's running for his life, and he's hiding while running away from King Ahab. He's He's hiding in a cave by himself, looking on Zoom for all of his interaction. And he's isolated, and he has no one, and he's being chased by an invisible force. That doesn't sound like any of us, but that's where Elijah is. And God shows up and, and, he's, and he feeds him bread and meat. He, birds literally bring him food. That sounds like living. You know what I'm saying, everybody? That's better than DoorDash. If, if, come on, if birds could deliver to me Krispy Kreme. Come on. And they, and they deliver bread and meat to Elijah. And God's taking care of him. 
And, and then, and, and there's a whole lot of story here. I don't have time to preach it all to you, but, but he stands down 850 false prophets on Mount Carmel and he calls down fire from heaven. They cut themselves. The prophets of Baal had prophesied all day long, cut themselves, bleeding everywhere. Many of them died, most, most commentaries say. It was horrific and they could not call down fire. He throws water all over the altar, all over the sacrifice, all in the ditch and still calls down fire from heaven. Let me pause here and tell you, when God decides to do it nobody no thing no government nobody nobody standing in the way of what God wants to do shout amen to that so firefall I'm just giving you the whole story and they and he kills all 850 prophets of Baal stones them and I don't mean I mean <laughs> some of y'all like that doesn't at least he got some relief. I don't mean that kind of stone. Stone. <laughs> and, then, and then King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, is angry about the prophets of Baal that have been killed. She's mad about it. And she says, I'm, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill Elijah. If my husband couldn't do it, I'm going to do it. And now, now listen to the whole story. He had just slaughtered 850 grown men. And one woman causes him unbearable anxiety. I'm just going to let y'all sit in that for a little bit. 850 men, no problem. One mad Woman, he goes running, terrified for his life. I'm just in your Bible. I'm telling you the true story. Not scared of Ahab, defies King Ahab. But when Mama wakes up, he's terrified. He had listen to this. He has experienced nonstop protection from God, provision from God. The presence of God, the power of God. But when anxiety hits, you'll forget all the stuff God's done for you. You're just overwhelmed about what you currently are facing. And Elijah doesn't remember when God has protected him, hid him inside of a cave, when, when he passes in front of him. God, Elijah forgets how ravens feed him. Elijah forgets all the provision God has for him. And, and one really grumpy woman makes a threat and Elijah falls apart. That sounds silly, but it's the way I have struggled this year. That I've seen God move and I've seen God come through and I've seen four years of the miraculous. We baptized hundreds of believers. Hundreds of people have been saved here. Hundreds of families have gone through growth track, found a purpose, serving God. And I have spent many, many days over the last seven months wondering where God was. Because easily you'll forget in anxiety what God has done. You'll forget all the miracles. You'll forget the fire from heaven. You'll forget the prophets of Baal slaughtered. And you'll just focus on what's, what's, what's worrying me now. 1 Kings 19 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba in Judah and he left, underline this in your Bible, he left his servant there. 
While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He's alone again. It's, it's, what, it's what we do. I know the thing that will help me. And yet, I do the thing that doesn't help me. I get alone again. So he leaves his servant there. Uh, 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 Queen Jezebel is chasing him. He's running for his life. Gets to Beersheba. Leaves his servant. Went another whole days into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush. And he sat down under it and prayed that. He might die. Same prayer Jesus prayed. This overwhelming anxiety envelops Elijah. I don't know what to do now. And he says what many of us have said. I want you to underline this. I want you to put this on your mirror this week. Because Elijah has been where many of you and us are or have been recently. And Elijah says, I have had enough, Lord. I've had enough. It's not so much, it's not so much this, it's all of this. It's not so much this day, it's this year. It's not so much this event. I counsel couples sometimes who, who say it's it's not this time, it's it's the 20 years worth. And I've had enough. And Elijah, in a moment of honesty to God, says, I've had enough, Lord. I've just, I, I just, I've, I've had enough. T- take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors, he says. But once again, there, there's going to come a point in your life, maybe if you've if you got kids, anybody with kids, you ever get to the point where you've had enough? <laughs> my mama used to say that. That was code for somebody's about to get spanked. Up until now, it's been a lot of yelling and threatening, but somebody's going to cry. Come on, somebody. Oh, y'all weren't raised like I was raised. Okay. Mama had enough. (laughs) She would tell my brother and I, I've had enough. That was it. That we were done. We had pushed as far as we could push. There are times in your life when you've just had enough. Anxiety's pushed as far as it can push. The devil's pushed as far as it could push. And, and after now two decades of vocational ministry and preaching the gospel, this year, that's my wife. I have woken up some days and said, I've had enough. I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. This is not for me. I don't know what's happening, but I can't deal with this anymore. I've had enough. Elijah made the mistake that many of us make when you, when you get to the point that anxiety is overwhelming and you've had enough and you're feeling anxious. Write these in, the, on, on your, on your, in your notes. Four things that we do when we get to the point where we feel like we've had enough. Number one, we run ourselves into the ground. We run ourselves into the ground. We just, Elijah's so afraid and he's running for his life and he collapses under a, under a broom bush. He just, he could not run any further. And a lot of times you'll see, especially men, men in the room, men on church online, listen to me. A lot of times this is what we do. You just keep running harder thinking it's going to fix what's wrong with you. Women, you do the same thing. Ambitious and you got, I'll, just, I'll run harder into family. I'll run harder into my job. I'll run harder into my schedule. And we just run ourselves into the ground to avoid dealing with the feelings of overwhelming anxiety. Number two, we shut people out. We, we just, Elijah tells his servant, you stay here, I'm going to go on. 
We internalize the problem that we've got and we decide, you can't carry it with me, I'll carry it by myself. And Elijah literally tells the person God has in his life to encourage him, lift him, carry the load with him. You stay here. I'm going to go alone. That's what we do. We just start shutting people out. I'm just telling you my journey. This doesn't have to be yours. I bet it is. But this is what's happened. I'll just, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll get by myself and I'll get more alone. I know I don't need to be alone, but I shut people out and no one understands me. It's why your small group, i got to tell you again, is so vitally important because somebody from that group is going to call you and go, where were you? I didn't see you Sunday. I didn't see you at small group. I'm coming to your house. If you don't answer the door, I'm calling the cops. Come on, somebody. I'm, i got to find you because you can't be alone. Shut people out. Number three, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm running for my life, I focus on the negative. We focus on what's wrong and not what's right. Life isn't going to get any better than this. This is all it's ever going to be. And there were times this summer I said that. This is it. It's always going to be like this. It's never going to change. You're never going to get into the right school. I'm always going to be a terrible mom. We're always going to struggle financially. This marriage is never going to to, to really work. It's just never going to come back together. And you focus on what's what's wrong. And Elijah says, I've had enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. In other words, it's never going to change. I'm I'm just, it's always been this way. My daddy was this way. My grandmama was this way. I'm always going to have this problem. Anxiety forces you. It's overwhelming you to focus on what's wrong. And then you get to the dangerous part. Listen, write this down. Where we forget God. We we, we forget what God's done. Every step of the way. Every moment. Every situation. God had been present in Elijah's life. He provided for him. He protected him. But Elijah gets alone. Overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. And he forgets God. He forgets what God had done. Now listen, I don't have time to preach you four different messages about all of these. i got to preach you one message summed up into this passage. And I'm going to give you the, the whole idea of how to deal with anxiety. Now, I've, I've preached now too long, however long that says, 20, 21 minutes to, to get you to the point where, where you realize, it's me, I've got that problem. I'm where they are. I'm where Jesus was. I'm where Elijah was. I know that feeling of overwhelming anxiety. i got to give you how to get out of the problem. Now, you want to talk about emotional. Paul is the same. In the New Testament, same exact feelings of emotion and overwhelming anxiety. Philippians 4. Paul says it like this. Paul's in the Roman prison Underneath the cemetery, listen, when, you, when you're in a prison in Rome, it was not like a prison above ground with bars. It was an underground dungeon, and they actually built it under the graveyard. You're lower than dead people. And Paul writes from that Roman prison, Philippians 4, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. Don't lash out to everybody because 
I know you feel like you're all alone. And I know you think no one knows what you've been through. And I know the anxiety is overwhelming. And Jesus, I know you're there all alone in the garden. And Elijah, I know you're there in the cave all alone. But the Lord is near. If you don't hear anything else, I got you to hear this today. God is close to you today. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. God has never left you, never forsaken you, always beside you. Paul said, I'm down here all by myself, but the Lord is near. And then then he gives the prescription for anxiety. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Underline that in your Bible. Write it in your notes. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. But let me pause here and tell you, that doesn't mean you beg God to get you out. That means you thank God for all the times He brought you out, and it reminds you that if God did it then, He can do it now. Shout amen to that. With prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, Go to God with your request. And when you do, the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Come play so they'll think I'm quitting. I'm not, but I want people to think I'm closing and that's the cue. Don't be anxious for anything. Is it possible In the age of anxiety, in 2020, to not be anxious for anything. To to not really battle. Is it even possible? I um, believe this or not, I'm not much of a handy man. I got two hands, but neither one of them are handy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like I just, I just can't do. Especially, especially with my car, my truck, because I pastor in Texas. Come on now, with my truck, and. and, and I don't know, I can, I'm, I'm pretty good at pumping gas. And then, um, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm pretty good at pumping gas. And then everything else, I have to go to somebody who knows more. And, and you see, and the worst thing that happens to a guy like me is when one of the little indicator lights come on, you know. So I, I'm, this is true, ask Brandy. I, I'll pull over and Google, what, does, what is the A, B, S, C, 2, what is that? And I'll look for the little signal, and I, and I, and I, I don't know. But listen to me. Look at me. The light is not the problem. The light is the signal about the problem. I take it to the dealer, the manufacturer, because he can interpret what the signal is. God, I feel like preaching. Listen to me. Listen. Anxiety is not the problem. Anxiety. Write this in your note. Anxiety is a signal. Alerting you that it's time to pray. Anxiety is the gift from God that you and I have saying it's time to reconnect with the person who knows more. With the God who created you. With the manufacturer who knows everything about you. With the person who can put back together all of your broken pieces. With the God who put you together in that marriage in the first place and I can heal and restore every broken place. With the God who created your body and can heal you of all diseases. With the Lord God who heals all of our minds and our emotions. Anxiety is just a signal. 
that it's time to go to God. The opposite of being anxious is not being at peace. The opposite of being anxious is pray. And the byproduct of prayer is the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Paul said, don't be anxious for anything. In every situation, pray. I tell you this often, it's not on the screen, but if you don't have it written down, you need to write it down. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to complain about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to talk to your husband about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to keep you up at night at 2.33, it's big enough to pray about. The cure for anxiety is prayer. Prayer unlocks the peace of God in your life. If you're worried about your marriage today, church online, pray. If you're worried about your kids today, what decision do we make? Do we send them to school? Do we homeschool? What are we supposed to do? This is so, it's, it's overwhelming anxiety for parents. Pray. God will tell you. If you have a loved one who's sick, who's got a fever, go get their nose swabbed and then pray. Pray. If you're worried about the election, vote. Pray. If you're worried about the economy, pray. Anxiety overwhelming to you. And Elijah does what Jesus does. Mark 14, 35. Going a little further. Jesus now in the Garden of Gethsemane. He fell to the ground and prayed. If it's possible, he said, I want this hour to pass from me. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. He didn't pray simple little prayers. It wasn't a safe prayer. It wasn't now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No, no, no. He didn't pray three-year-old prayers. He cried out to God, God, if there's any other way. And he cries, the Son of the living God cries out to his Father, take it from me. I'm falling apart. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to make it. You could be lying on the bathroom floor in your house when the kids are asleep. And you don't have to know what to say. You just have to pray. God, please. I paced up and down our staircase trying to be quiet so my family didn't wake up at 4.45 saying, God, I don't even know what to pray. Just take it away. When you're anxious and overwhelmed, you need to talk to God. Listen. And then talk to your feelings. <laughs> when you're whacked up and, 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 and jacked up in your head and feelings are in all over the place, look at my eyes. Look at me, church online. Don't follow your feelings. If you follow your feelings today, you'll end up in jail by noon. Come on, somebody. Don't follow your feelings. Who would do that? What a terrible piece of advice. 
Feelings don't necessarily reflect reality. You ever worried about something that never came to pass? You know why? Because you can't trust your feelings. You talk to your feelings. You talk to God. And then at 4.45, 2.33 in the morning, I would talk to God. And then I would tell my feelings, you will not win. You are not the boss of me. You don't own me. I was, I'm bought with a price. I'm destined. God has purpose in my life. I'm the anointed, chosen son of the Most High God. There's nothing you can take from me. God called me and He's equipped me and He's my provider and He's my protector and I tell my feelings what to feel and then I go back to sleep knowing the peace of God has guarded my heart and my mind. Talk to God and then talk to your feelings. Jesus, Mark 14, 36, I'm almost done. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. In other words, I don't want it to happen. This is how I feel. I feel like taking the cut from me. I feel like I don't want to do this. I feel like the cross is too much. I feel like crucifixion is too hard. But nevertheless, if that's what you want, I'm going to talk to my feelings and tell them how to feel. He doesn't feel like going to the cross. Speak truth to your feelings until your feelings align to your faith. Let me say that again because you didn't catch it. Speak the truth of God to your feelings until your feelings align to what you know to be true about God. I don't feel like my marriage is going to make it, but I know God is a restorer of broken ways. I don't feel like my business is going to survive this pandemic, but I know that God would supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I don't feel like I'm going to get past this this devastating uh, blow the doctor called and I don't feel like it's I don't I don't know how we're going to get through this diagnosis I, I, matter of fact I'm preaching to somebody at church online you're worried about the phone call from the doctor in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be healed he's a healer don't worry about what you feel tell your feelings what faith says that God is our healer that he's the Lord God who heals all of our disease and takes away all of our infirmity in Jesus name I tell my feelings what to do when, when you feel like God doesn't love you the truth is he does for God so loved the world that he gave when you feel like you're alone like Elijah the truth is you're never alone when you feel worried about money, the truth is God is my source. Not USAA, not the economy. God is my source. When you feel like a victim, the truth is you're more than an overcomer from Him who bought you and paid for you. Jesus stumbled into the garden with soul-crushing anxiety. And He leaves resolute with the peace of God for the cross. And Elijah does the same. I got to go. Elijah running from his adversary. Queen Jezebel. I want to preach to you next year about the spirit of Jezebel. It's loose in the world. You know what the spirit of Jezebel is sent to do? It's sent to agitate the prophet of God. There are spirits loose in your life that do nothing but agitate you and make you run. 
There's some things that hell looses on you not to kill you, just to make you wear out. Give up. Elijah doesn't give up. Gets to the end of his story. And listen, Elijah's biggest anxiety is she's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. Elijah gets to the end of his life. And he's with his protege, Elisha. He's taken into heaven with a chariot of fire. Horses. He sweeps up Elijah in a whirlwind. And, and Elijah doesn't die. Can I tell you, the very thing you're anxious about, God has already, at the end of the whole matter, God already has a plan to save you from the very thing you think is going to take you under. <laughs> Elijah, you wasted so much time worrying about dying. I never planned for you to die. I had swing low, sweet chariots. Come on, somebody. Come to take you home. No storm that God won't bring you through. There's no obstacle He won't help you overcome. There's no enemy God won't defeat. There's no heartache God can't heal. There's no anxiety you can't recover. With every head bowed and every eye closed here and at church online. No one moving for the next 60, 90 seconds. Because there's people in the room who are struggling. There's people at church online, wherever you're at, joining us this week for church who are overwhelmed with anxiety, struggling to breathe, waking up in the middle of the night, panic attacks like you've never had, heart fluttering. Am I going to make it? Is this going to take us out? I want you to know today, without any reservation, that God is near. God's here for you. God sent me today to tell you, you don't have to be overwhelmed. Don't be anxious for anything. And everything, prayer and petition and thanksgiving, go to God. So let's do that. If I'm talking to you, nobody's looking around. Our team's not looking, just me. Church Online, would you just be bold and say, Pastor, I need you to include me in this prayer. I want out of this feeling of anxiety. I need this. I'm going to talk to God and then we're going to talk to our feelings. If that's you and you felt or you're feeling those overwhelming feelings of anxiety, would you just lift your hand? Church Online, would you just put a hand up in the chat wherever you are? I see you. God bless you. I see you all over the room. Literally all over the room. I see you. God bless you. Back of the room, I see you. God bless you. Thank you. I see you. God bless you. Church Online. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, come on. If, if you raised your hand or you didn't, you got to talk to God. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe that you're my help and my healer. I believe there's nothing too hard for God. I believe you're able. God, I'm sorry for all the times I've neglected to pray when I felt anxious. God, I'm sorry for everything that I've carried on my own instead of casting all of my cares. So right now, in this moment, come on, do this wherever you are. In this moment, I cast all of that anxiety on God because He cares for me. I cast all of my fears about the future. I cast all of my fear about my marriage on God. I give God all of my problem, all of my anxiety. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I still don't know how the rest of the year is going to go. I don't know how we're going to get out of 2020 or 2021. I don't know what turns around the corner. I don't know what Monday holds tomorrow, but I do know God's in control. And I do know God's never failed me. I remember when I called down fire from heaven and you showed up.
I remember, I remember standing in the hallway of an elementary school in Bernie, looking out the windows, praying somebody's car would pull up into the driveway so we could have church. I remember during a pandemic, worried about money and tens of thousands of dollars were given to world missions. I remember, I remember, I remember. I remember when you healed, when I didn't know where healing was coming from. I remember pacing the floor, holding my baby, asking God for a miracle. I remember. And if you did it then, you'll do it now. So I give you all of my anxiety. Come on, say it. Fear, let's talk to our feelings. You don't have place in my life anymore. I rebuke the spirit of fear off of every person at church today. I command the spirit of fear to bow its knee to the mighty, powerful, matchless name of Jesus, the Messiah of God. I command the feeling of anxiety and overwhelming, crushing worry off of your mind, off of your heart. I rebuke the fear that keeps you up late at night. I rebuke the worry that has you pacing the floor for the bills at the 15th and the first of every month. I rebuke the fear you have over your children. What's going to happen? Where are they? Are they ever going to come back to God? There's a mother right now praying in church, worried about their baby. What's going to what if, what if, what, What's going to happen? God, had, He loves your child more than you do. God is able. I will not worry. I will not lose another night of sleep. Fear? My faith says God's on the throne. God's in control. God has my life in His hands. Now with nobody looking around, if you've never surrendered your whole life to Jesus, you've never given God everything, if you know God's calling you, you feel in this moment at church online or right now that you need to come back to God. It's called conviction, the Holy Spirit. God loves you enough to send the Holy Spirit to make you feel what you feel right now. If that's you and you need a fresh start today, just pray a prayer that sounds like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead on the third day. I receive the forgiveness that you, that you bought and paid for. I receive the grace and the mercy that's available to me. I repent. Come on, say it out loud. I repent of all of my sins. Give you all of my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give you all my anxiety and worry and fear. I thank you for the peace of God that guards my mind and my heart. I thank you. I'm leaving church today with my head a little higher. Trust in God. It's faith over fear. It's prayer over anxiety. And it's peace over all. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout a big amen. Come on, give God praise for His word.